Hi, I'm Joan Goodchild, Director of Multimedia Content with ISMG. Today, our guest is Jim Ralph. He is the Chief Security Officer for Aetna, and we're going to be talking about a number of topics today. But first, Jim, tell me a little bit about yourself. Hey, Joan. How are you? I'm um, formerly in the financial services industry. That's kind of where I cut my teeth in security for uh, the last 15 years, and uh, four years ago, moved into healthcare. Uh, taking over responsibility for uh, cybersecurity initially and physical security in a converged function uh, for Aetna. Great. Now, we've been talking about Equifax. Everybody in the industry has been talking about Equifax. In fact, everybody in the country has been talking about Equifax, so I'm sure it's been top of mind for you lately. Let's start there. What effect does this breach have on enterprises like Aetna? Uh, well, the first thing to recognize is that the root cause here was what we call an IT hygiene issue was, you know, they didn't patch up-to-date patching for the uh, Apache struts vulnerability that was identified and released last spring. In fact, they were two cycles behind. And that uh, is not uncommon for a large organization, but it, for, you know, for an organization that has sensitive consumer information, it is something that's relatively basic. Now, there were some other controls that were failed uh, failed as well because the criminals were able to manipulate and, and then extract or exfiltrate uh, quite a bit of data. And that, in, in fact, is where the significant impact is for other industries uh, or other enterprises in that 143 million uh, consumers, uh, uh, their records are now in the dark web and in uh, criminal exchange forums that essentially allow other criminals to use social security number and other unique uh, information uh, relative to consumers to uh, apply to things like um, bypassing controls in a password reset function, answering a bunch of security questions based on the demographic information, the social security number, so that they can take over the online accounts and then commit uh, other forms of uh, criminal activity for for profit, largely fraud. And so uh, the the sheer size of the data that's released into the criminal domain has an impact on every enterprise that uses conventional, traditional authentication controls using passwords. Now, let's dig into that a bit more. What is the lesson going forward now for organizations that are thinking about better ways of shoring up defenses and increasing cyber resiliency in the face of these types of attacks? Yeah, I think if an enterprise has a, a reasonable patch management program in place, that will sustain themselves against this type of initial attack. But I think that the real implication for all enterprises and certainly for Aetna is this notion of putting more data on consumers out into the hands of criminals through exchanges in the dark web. And that has a significant impact on the viability of login IDs and passwords. And uh, simply by using either the password reset process or the account registration process using the demographic and and attribute information that that can be harvested to uh, to bypass those controls. Aetna believes, and we are one of few organizations that are moving beyond passwords uh, for all of our consumers to something we call uh, continuous behavioral authentication, uh, which is an ongoing process throughout the interaction, the electronic interaction, whether it's over the web or for mobile apps. And essentially it uses benign behavioral attributes that are represented in a model, a mathematical model, 
and the actual behavior in real time is compared against those models and a risk score is generated. And that risk score tells the app how much access to provide throughout the interaction of the app by the user. And the beauty of this is it actually eliminates friction for the consumer because they don't have to remember passwords. The reality is people have trouble remembering passwords. They use passwords for hundreds of websites and mobile apps. They reuse similar passwords time and time again. And that, in fact, leads to something called credential stuffing, which is criminals can try out different passwords in different domains and, and get a hit, you know, two to four percent of the time. And that means they take over the account. So uh, passwords as binary authentication tools have been standard, have been universal, but are really reaching an end of life. And what's necessary is more of a continual based uh, authentication model that's based on uh, algorithms that are doing that. So they, we can use 30 to 60 different attributes for an individual via a mobile app or a web app to calculate throughout the entire interaction, whether that's the, the legitimate user matching the identity or not. And so it's a, it's a better security model and it's actually less in terms of friction for the end user. And I think we're going to see that uh, we believe that that other in, other uh, enterprises are going to be implementing that. We certainly are next year, and and I think uh, we'll see more and more of that uh, going forward. You mentioned in a conversation earlier that you think security is headed for a more model-driven approach, and you're actually going to be talking about that topic at an ISMG Healthcare Security Summit that's taking place in New York on November 15th and 16th. Talk about that a bit. Yeah, so what I'm going to start, Joan, but is telling you where I made a fundamental mistake <laughs> a couple, about two and a half years ago. I had this notion that if we uh, took all of the log file data that uh, we collect and uh, had available through a lot of emerging technology and security control capabilities and put it into a larger big data environment and ran some machine learning uh, algorithms against that, that we could derive information that would help us make better decisions in allocation of scarce resources to the highest risks at the enterprise level. And we could do this at scale and across a large enterprise. So that was my you know, notion of, uh, of, of what was appropriate. And I went out and hired a chief data scientist to be uh, dedicated to security, came from the NSA, uh, and the, he's a great guy. He's done wonderful things. We have 106 models in production today. So he's done just a phenomenal job. But while that was taking place, there were six other implementations in production of models that were driving frontline security controls. So an example would be we have a privileged user monitoring capability uh, in place today that's been in place for last year that basically measures the online behavior of the privileged user for the period that they have that privilege. And then if there's any deviation in the behavioral pattern, the model automatically generates an email to the person's leader to determine whether that's a legitimate uh, action or not. If there are several deviations, several events that don't match the model, the privilege access is revoked automatically and a SOC a security operations uh, incident is initiated 
And all of that is done in real time. And that enables enterprises essentially to operate in real time at front, at, with the frontline security controls. And there are going to be more and more instances of that going forward. That's a, a fundamental trend. We, and I've observed it. We have, you know, seven implementations of models that are driving frontline security controls so that the implications from a talent perspective is that we're teaching our security professionals to the fundamentals of data science. And data science is becoming a foundation for both control design and implementation and security. So, so it is having a, a fairly uh, a significant effect going forward. Hiring and talent management and security is certainly an ongoing issue we cover. What's the situation like at Aetna? And what advice would you have for hiring managers in the industry who are perhaps struggling to find good talent and retain good talent? So, Joan, you typically hear from CISOs that uh, it's very difficult to attract top talent. It's, uh, there's a shortage of skills in the industry. That shortage of skills projected to financially grow over uh, time, uh, all of which is true and all of which is, uh, is kind of the landscape that we operate in today. But what I'm going to say to you is probably a little bit controversial, which is we don't have any problem finding top talent for security uh, at Aetna. Uh, as a matter of fact, we don't look for top talent. We look for diverse top talent. Uh, so as an example, 41% of our security professionals are women, and that's against an industry average of 11%. 23% are people of color against an industry average of 4% and 17% are veterans compared to 6% in the industry. So we actually cherry pick the best talent in a diverse uh, environment and have no trouble finding talent. Now, the reason for that is fundamentally this. We get to teach uh, new innovative techniques in cybersecurity that's based on what each of our professionals want to learn. They choose what they want to learn, and we help. We give them the opportunities to, to learn that. The second thing we do for experienced hires, these are people with 10, 10 plus years of experience, uh, we'll hire them where they live, not necessarily where our office is. Uh, and the combination of those two things gets us access to talent um, that many other organizations don't have access to. Uh, and as a result, we really have no problems finding top talent. And... And I think our, we have a curriculum in place today that we're enhancing that's teaching security professionals how to be essentially data scientists, learning techniques for models and how to drive security controls based on models. And that's, I think, going to be much more marketable as the industry evolves. And from a talent management standpoint, our, you know, our talent's well-positioned and well-positioned to make a contribution to Aetna going forward. Great. Jim Ralph of Aetna, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Joan. Appreciate it. For ISMG, I'm Joan Goodchild.